you all, so this goes to you and to the team for all the hard work we put in day in and day out. <laughs> we about to get it in, baby. Let's get it. Welcome back to Our Kind of Pod, a UW football-themed episode of the Boyd Meets World podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Boyd, and today I was joined by Michael Stanton, uh, here to talk Husky football. Three months ago, we spoke about what the team looked like after spring ball. Now we're talking about it a week into fall camp. Uh, Not that much has changed, so we just did a little bit of updating on what we've seen so far. The continued quarterback, quote-unquote, controversy that's going on. uh, The question marks on defense, and so on and so forth. Uh, And then we also talked about some really important hard-hitting issues, such as uh, what if every Pac-12 team were a Democratic Party candidate? We had fun doing that. I uh, hope you enjoyed this one. This one's a little bit longer, but obviously previewing a lot of stuff here. Uh, hoping to get forth in the rhythm of weekly Husky football podcasts once the season gets started. Hope you will be joining us all throughout the season for that. If you like what you hear, make sure to give us a rating and a review on iTunes. Make sure to follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Uh, Stanton, I was about to ask if you're wearing any uh, Adidas material, but you politely informed me before this that you're shirtless, so we don't have to worry about it. No, I am wearing shorts, though, and they are not Adidas, unfortunately. So I am not on brand. Uh, Reebok shorts for your boy. Um, So yeah, got to work on that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, when we officially get our our treetop uh, official license, uh, you know, licensed our kind of pod gear, uh, we can make sure to put the three stripes on it. That counts. Yeah, yeah, or maybe three apples. I don't know. It could be a bit of a mashup of sorts. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on the unis? I'm kind of uh, agnostic. I think. Yeah i I'm not like in love with them, but I also don't dislike them. Uh, I I think I like the the home uniforms a little bit better than the previous. Um, the previous Nike version, but all in all, like they're so similar to me that I don't, I don't really care. Um, I, I would like to see them in person though, because that has yet to happen. So to be, to be continued on that front. So you weren't on the partnership doing cannonballs off the side of the boat during the, during the, I, the launch. No, I unfortunately was not. <laughs> I, I don't know why I didn't get an invite to that, but the uh the the new uniforms is kind of funny because it it shows like the distance between i don't know 2009 Brandon Boyd versus 2019 like if if the 2009 Huskies were having some big uniform launch i would be i wouldn't be sleeping i would be like in the darkest <laughs> darkest corners of of twitter looking for any like leaked leaked photo <laughs> um and now it's just like oh there they are there's the things okay. that my team wears um, yeah, let's all get on with our lives. Exactly. But uh, yeah, we're just so mature over here. We're so so removed from from all that craziness, and instead, we're just gonna you know do some things like comparing Pac-12 teams to Democratic candidates. Because that's that's yeah. that's the that shows the maturity of this podcast. Normal stuff, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Adult uh, things. Yeah, normal is definitely not the word for for this lovely conference that we'll talk about. Uh, or this team, but yeah, this is this is nice, man. We did this. Uh, I don't know in May. Um, before, May third. I yeah. looked it up today. There we go. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the reason for that? They just finished spring camp. Spring camp. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, and so basically nothing has changed from that other than uniform. So we're going to be talking about a lot of the same <laughs> stuff personnel-wise. Um, so a lot of it is kind of just, you know, we'll see different ways of thinking about certain things. Some some revelations from the first week of, of uh, spring of fall camp being open. Um, but, uh, but yeah, let's get into it. And I think the most pressing thing, and again, this is kind of the, the legacy part of this podcast is on first down, we talk about the quarterback. Um, it used mm-hmm. to be about, uh, <laughs> used to be about Jake Browning and why the hell he went backwards 30 yards and dug himself into a trench before getting sacked. <laughs> um, and now it's about two guys named Jake and, uh, which one, the, sh- the short one or the tall one is going to be the quarterback of this team. Um, I famously, I think the last time we spoke, I declared that if Jake Hayner is the opening game starter, uh, I will become not just an Oregon State fan, but an Oregon State alumni. That That's impressive because I don't know how you'd figure that out, but I they am intrigued. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. point. I, I selfishly don't want that to happen because I don't want to see Jake Hayner starting, but <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, no knock on him. What, like if he comes out for the first play, what do I do? Do I just start writing the email to the to the chancellor of Oregon State? Yeah, you go vomit in a trash can, and then <laughs> and then you start writing. <laughs> okay, so I don't, I don't mean to disparage Jay Kaner, but yeah, I'm the, not trying to. Either. The last time we saw him, he literally he he vomited in a trash can, and that trash can was was uh, in Memorial Stadium in Berkeley, California. <laughs> um, Jacob Eason is going to be the starting quarterback of this team, and I am very, very tired of this thing being strung out, and I'm tired of it, and I'm not Jacob Eason. I would be livid if I'm looking at this guy who I could dunk on in every way possible, knowing that I transferred here um, as the incumbent guy, a guy who did very well in his season at Georgia, wasn't very efficient, but proved that he could hack it in the toughest conference in football. Um, and it's still Chris Peterson being very coy about this whole thing. If we really don't know, and it's like, God, who, who, who are we kidding at this point? Yeah, this is just Chris Peterson doing Chris Peterson things. Um, it's, I, I have to admit it's the right way to handle it. I think, um, I don't necessarily have a problem with it, um, there's no reason for him to name a starter. I th- I feel like at least from an external standpoint, got to keep Eastern um, on their toes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Um, I I would hope that Jacob Eason has enough uh, or has been you know talked to a little bit or has enough confidence in this game to know that he has he's probably going to be the starter. Um, but yeah, this is just, you know, all that strategy kind of reminds me of like the whole injury strategy where no one says anything nowadays. It's just, you know, not saying anything um, because any info can be used against you nowadays, I guess. Um, so like, for instance, we are it's August 7th. And I think today was the last day you could see or the the uh, media could see any practices up until the first uh, kick of the season so yeah um it's just the day and age we live in and this is classic chris peterson just not saying anything because he doesn't have to 
Yeah, so the direct quote from him is, I mean, I know there's a lot of people ready to anoint certain guys at the quarterback position or at other positions. wonder who he's talking about there. Yeah, uh, we're really yeah. not. I mean, this is going to be a really nice, awesome competition to go on at fall camp, see how this thing shakes down. And maybe maybe you know something about Eason that we don't, and he needs a little motivation, and he came in here a little bit too cool for school, and you were trying to light a fire under him to get the best version of him. I get that. But don't be coy about this, and let's uh, let's not kid ourselves. There is no quarterback controversy. The guy who takes the first snap will be wearing number ten, um, not number nine. And that is, is does Hainer even wear nine? Did I just make that up? Thirteen, probably. I don't even know. Yeah, <laughs> thirteen sounds right. Yeah, they, um, they took the number I, off his jersey after the Cal game. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, uh, I will say that Eason didn't really like. He wasn't the star that everybody thought he was going to be when he came in and played in spring ball. But from everything I've heard so far through the first five, six days of fall camp, um, he's definitely coming into his own. And I think you could also say that from what I've read about Jake Hayner, too. Uh, one of the big differences, apparently, is Eason is a little bit more polished, to, to no surprise. But Hayner seems to be... Um, channeling that gunslinger mentality that the coaches love about him and taking more risks. So he's been a little bit more careless with the ball. Um, but, you know, if I'm Hainer, I might as, you might as <laughs> yeah. well because House you money. know that you probably, it's a long shot you're going to start. So so I know, I know you and I had both talked about this and an encouraging article for anyone who watched uh, Husky football last year. It was not the most... Um, uh, risk-taking offense. It uh, it 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 uh, didn't hit on a lot of 16s. I will say that uh, to use some gambling parlance. Um, very much a product of the personnel. Miles Gaskin was your best offensive player last year. Lean on him heavily. Uh, just try and control the clock, keep the offense moving. Um, but I think that with the personnel that this team has, um, starting with Eason and the arm talent there, and then the the receiver depth that has grown, Hunter Bryant, Kate Otten at the tight end position, both guys who could be in the NFL someday, probably will. Um, there's a lot of talent, and the idea of spreading it around, being more vertical with this passing attack, makes a lot of sense given that personnel, um, and also given the, the struggles that the offense had last year of really scoring points. Um, explosive plays. So we've heard a little bit in the Seattle Times and in the Athletic them talking about how they want to open this offense up more, take more shots, um, and then plus the talent of the offensive line. I just feel like you can give Eason, you know, six, seven seconds to throw, uh, and if you can do that, that should lead to a big play a lot of the time. Yeah, and I think uh, your point about just the wide receivers. I feel like uh, this is probably. I mean, obviously. You had Ross and and Pettis a couple years back. That was a great one-two punch. But there is so much depth in wide receiver this year, albeit somewhat unproven. But, I mean, you do return Aaron Fuller, Andre Bocelli. Um, you get Quinton Pounds back, too. Those are three seniors that have been around a block a few times. You also get Chico McClatcher back, uh, which is huge, and he's been showing out so far in fall camp. Uh, then you have the likes of Trey Lowe, who's basically a Chico McClatcher clone, and he's a redshirt freshman, and he can play too. He played some, he got some snaps in the Rose Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then you have some of those young guys. Um, well, and I, I forgot Ty Jones too. I mean, he's obviously played the last couple seasons. But then you have some of the young guys like Marquis Spiker, Austin Osborne, um, 
you know, that could contribute this year. And then like true freshman Puka Nakua, who's also been showing out really well so far. So the the list is long. It's just who's going to pop and who's going to be that dependable target for uh, Jacob Eason. And I think there's a lot of candidates for that role. Yeah, I mean, at different times last year, Andre Bocelli looked like he might be the best, most consistent receiver on the team towards the end mm-hmm. of the season. Whereas at the beginning and middle of the season, that seemed like, you know, Aaron Fuller had really stepped up sure. from, from the Auburn game on. Um, and then there were times where Ty Jones looked like he could be an all-conference guy. So it's all there. We've seen it all in stretches, but I think it's hard to separate what last year with the problems of the offense, the continuity of drives, um, you know, being able to, to put the ball in the end zone. Uh, what of that had anything to do with the inconsistency, inconsistency of that talent? And then what had to do with the style that the offense was going for, a very conservative style uh, compared to what they're talking about doing this year. But either way, um, I think that, you know, it's always, you always over overvalue your own guys. You know, you talk yourself into Wilbur Hooks being a Heisman candidate at some point. <laughs> um, but but uh, it does feel, and we haven't even talked about the running back talent um, with Simone Ahmed. I think that, Ahmed may, in a situation where you know it's four guys spread out, him running out of the shotgun uh, makes a lot more sense with his skill set than you know just line it up seven guys in the box uh, or seven guys in the offensive line with Gaskin last year was kind of it made more sense to do it that way. So I think the stars are kind of aligned for this to be a real revelation of an offensive season. Yeah, I agree. And we haven't really even I mean, you mentioned Kate Otten, but we haven't even really talked about Hunter Bryant, who could be a first team, you know, all American if he really put it together and was was healthy for the entire season. So, yeah, exactly. It's scary. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of upside to this, this offense, I think. Yeah, the cu- the cupboard is full, um, which is which is fun. But a lot of it has to do with uh, with how things or with who is throwing that uh, that ball sure. to those guys. Um, and again, just that combo of how good this offensive line is, um, how much arm talent you have with Eason, plus all those guys that we just talked about. Uh, I'm excited. I mean, this might be the, the most the, – the, the 2016 offense kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, no sure. one expected that type of explosion. Um, but it seems like we could get back to those types of day, or type of play just with that cocktail of everything that's going on. Uh, totally agree. Uh, any other thoughts on the offense other than um, you know let's let's see let's see some some touchdowns this year would be would be kind of yeah nice. yeah maybe some deeper shots downfield I don't know <laughs> and and something that we won't talk about today but the less times that we have to see this team uh, line up in field goal formation the better uh, as we've uh, yeah. painstakingly seen over the last two years hey so far I've heard uh, Payne Henry Henry is looking pretty decent so. Uh, <laughs> We shall see. <laughs> Pretty decent is about as good as you could possibly ask for. Yeah. <laughs> um, given that our kicking game in the last two years has been not too far away from Lucy pulling the ball out on Charlie Brown. Um, if, <laughs> if that happened and we just ran a fake that only one player on the field knew about, uh, it would be more successful than a lot of the kicking <laughs> chances we've had. I'm just hoping for two field, at least two field goals of 40 plus yards because that would beat last season's number of one over 40. Uh, yeah, probably would have beat Oregon too, but that's a, uh, it's a different story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. let's, uh, let's, let's move to second down here. I think we, you know, we picked okay. up, picked up seven, but there was a holding play. So second and 20, mm-hmm. uh, perfect. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, this defense lost a lot of talent last year. And I was thinking about this the other day of 
there may not have been a better collection of like B plus to A minus players on a defense uh, as there was on the 2018 Huskies. I mean, you lose so many guys who are now playing in the NFL, Jordan Miller, uh, Taylor Rapp, Byron Murphy, Ben Burke-Hervin, the list goes on and on. Even JoJo McIntosh, who started for four years in the conference. Uh, those guys being gone obviously leaves holes. That's That goes without saying. Um, but I still feel good about the defense. And it's just a, a product. I mean, you talk about the, the lack of um, a, a scheme last year on offense. The exact opposite uh, is how I feel on defensive. There's so such good infrastructure there that... Um, even though the pieces are, are all kind of question marks, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the parts together, I feel confident are going to be, uh, perform at the level they need to. Yeah. I, this kind of reminds me of going into, I think it was the 2017 season when we were recovery, we had just lost Kevin King, Buda Baker, Sidney Jones, Elijah Qualls, et cetera. And it was like, okay, can we actually you know, replace that. And then you have players like Vita Vea and Keyshawn Beria step up people like that. I mean, I think we lose what eight starters, eight or nine starters on defense. Uh, but it's worth mentioning that we do return 10 defensive players that made at least one start last season. So it's not like we're returning all these guys that haven't necessarily played. There is some depth, uh, or there is some experience, I should say, albeit not as much, um, but there are some guys you can kind of lean on here. Um, and it's just insanely talented. There's so much depth. So um, I I personally am pretty excited. I think the upside is huge for the defensive unit. I think the the guy on defense this year and not in any sort of like he's he's a first round pick, like he jumps off the page like Taylor Rapp did last year, mm-hmm. uh, but is Miles My- Bryant. I mean, he, he is mm-hmm. he is for all intents and purposes, the middle linebacker, even though he's going to be playing safety or nickel uh, on mm-hmm. this team because he makes the whole thing go. And I just love what they're doing personnel wise of moving Miles Bryant, who is effectively your slot corner last year. Um, who sure. at times was basically an outside linebacker because of how good of a tackler he is uh, and mm-hmm. putting him at safety because that's the, the biggest position of turnover. Um, Jojo McIntosh, Taylor Rapp, uh, the, Brandon McKinney in the Ohio State game just did not look ready to Torched. play at that level. Um, mm-hmm. Granted, he was playing against an NFL wide receiver set, but sure. <laughs> uh, either way, uh, you, it's just you have to put Miles Bryant back there for the continuity of your defense. They do, and again, it's a product of, like you said, the depth, the talent there. That okay, you take Miles Bryant out of the slot corner role. You have uh, you have Elijah Molden Elijah there, Molden. who looked mm-hmm. at times on special teams and in the opportunities he got to play uh, in the Apple Cup and etc. Like he is just ready to 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 do exactly what Bryant has been doing, um, and that's just a smart team reevaluate. It's the same. It's kind of reminds me of like. Okay, the offense needs a little bit of help. Uh, we have Shaq Thompson over here on the sideline. You just want to get him the ball. How's, how's that sound? Um, it's, yeah. It's just being resourceful with the talent that you have. Yeah, the secondary is really exciting because I feel like you don't really drop off a lot from uh, in that nickel corner. I mean, we should we should mention that the Huskies' base secondary is – base defense is nickel. Mm. Um, when you move Bryant to safety, Elijah Molden is almost – like I would almost put him on the same level as Bryant, just a little bit greener. Um, he hasn't played as much, 
But uh, then you have Keith Taylor, whose pro football focus has marked him as the lead or the best returning coverage corner in the conference based on whatever statistics they run Um, and and, based on numbers, based on data. And then uh, one of the weirdest and uh, most exciting developments coming out of this fall camp and looking very probable now is true freshman Cam Williams is probably going to win that other safety position, which is pretty phenomenal because he, I think we took four, uh, four defensive backs in last year's class and he was, I think the lowest rated or close to it. So, um, he was one of the standouts in spring camp. Um, so then that pretty much leaves one final corner spot and it's pretty much down to Kyler Gordon or Dom Hampton at this point in time. It's looking like it's probably going to be Kyler Gordon. Um, but obviously Dom Hampton has that frame that, that Jimmy Lake loves. Um, so he could see some time and then you got to ask questions that you have Brandon McKinney, you have Julius Irvin, you have Isaiah Gilchrist, the list goes on. Um, Alex cook who moved from wide receiver to, um, to corner, or secondary. I yeah. don't actually know if he plays safety. Um, but it's just like there's so much talent on this team. And some of these really highly rated recruits, uh, McDuffie, the true freshman, uh, they're not even sniffing what looks to be the starting secondary right now in fall camp. So um, albeit new and somewhat inexperienced, the secondary is just oozing with talent. Yeah, that's what the uh, the athletic guys in the back end. But right up, up front um, with losing Greg Gaines as well, um, mm-hmm. figuring out kind of that rotation. I think that, uh, <laughs> well, I had a note here. John Clark has has really come onto the scene, a guy who, um, I had this analogy in the notes, and I don't know if you, you read it or not, but um, we've played enough NCAA football games in our in our lives and, and seen dynasties that last into the, into the, like, the next decade um, when your mm-hmm. team is just made of all players that were never on the original roster. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's just random guys that you get really attached to, and one of them ends up being an a All-American for some reason. The name John <laughs> Clark, it just like feels like that. Like I, I, He's a senior, and I've never, never heard of him before like late yep. last season. <laughs> Um, and all of a sudden he might be a starter for this year's team, but, um, but him and then, uh, Levi on, on Wuzarike, uh, we're going to nice. need you for the pronunciation guide at some point. Um, that should be its own <laughs> podcast with this, with this roster. Uh, Levi, if he gets enough sacks like early in the season, I think that he might convince Bob Rondo to retire, to unretire so that he can come into the booth and say his name, uh, <laughs> post sack because nothing got Bob more fired up than a post sack. Uh, name name read of of lots of syllables. Sure, and the the fun part about it is his is his name is not even the most exciting on the defensive line, because that would be Tuli Latuli Gasanoa. Um, but I digress. Uh, you you do lose a lot with Gaines, Jalen Johnson, and Shane Bowman. Anwuzarika and Benning Potoai are probably the two only two players that return that play consistently. Um, we mentioned this in the spring. Uh, practice podcast, but they've moved Benning uh, to line and from outside linebacker to kind of shore up that depth issue on the line. Um, but you're probably going to see a lot of Thule and Sam Taimani, who got a couple, uh, who saw some action last year as a true freshman. Uh, they'll fill that interior role that Gaines left. Um, one thing that does kind of hurt is Fatui Tuitele, who's a true you freshman. Are killing it. 
uh, who's a true freshman, he he apparently I didn't know this until recently, but he apparently finished his previous high school season with a torn pectoral muscle. And that's something that still hasn't been really addressed. So he may have to have surgery on that, which could affect his availability this season. So there is still some depth issues. Um, so I I would say the D-line is probably the most worrisome unit on this side of the ball, just from a depth standpoint. Yeah, it's kind of the, 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 the theme across the defense is there's a lot of bullets in the chamber. There's a lot of just guys that could end up being fine, um, but you just don't mm-hmm. know which one. And I don't think the the... Uh, the team will either really, I mean, if you even think back to, um, you know, how uh, like a guy like Bishop Sankey or Miles Gaskin got his job, they were both like in competitions at the start of the start of the year and then just played sure. so well at the beginning of the season and the opportunities that they got um, to to really take that and, and run with it. And so I think that this is whatever combination of starters you see at the beginning of, of that first game against Eastern on the 31st. Um, if you, if you see a guy start to play well in the limited action that they're getting, uh, they're going to take, you know, every chance that they can with that because, you know, you've, you've garnered some trust. Um, it's going to be an interesting defense because the, we talked all of last year about how the, the script to beat UW was pretty simple. Get to second and seven, get to third and four, and then convert with the short passing game and just bleed us to death. Uh, because because we just play straight so straight up and in front or you know mm-hmm. you play in front of us kind of a lot what the the 2014 Seahawks would do, um, mm-hmm. but with this year's team I feel like teams are going to feel more okay with taking chances um, and I think that will lead to um, a lot of big plays against us more than we're probably used to but also sure. more opportunities at the ball um, in a lot of different ways both in the in the pass rush. Um, but then also in in the air for you know getting those defensive backs that we all talked about um, to get their hands on the ball in different ways. So it might be less of a bend it but don't break type defense and more of a big play defense. And there's different arguments for each one of them, but I do feel like a, a defense that can get itself off the field uh, will be a nice refresher from last year where it was just like every single drive against the Huskies was like a nine play drive, even if it only went uh you know 32 total yards there was just a clear mm-hmm. prescription to to beat us well that's the reality of the secondary that you're going up against you just didn't really want to test them as an opponent um like we just mentioned this secondary is talented but unproven so like you said we might see a little bit more fireworks on the back end maybe some more turnovers i feel like we didn't have many interceptions last season so I would expect more of those this coming season just because uh, teams are going to try and test them. Yeah, so a, uh, a document that I'm going to cite a lot of, but uh, Bill Connolly from formerly of SB Nation, now of ESPN, uh, his, his college football preview uh, Google Sheet is my Bible and will be for the rest of the year. Uh, our turnover margin last year was, was uh, plus three. Um, but the expected turnover margin based off of, uh, you know, everything that was supposed to, you know, based off of normal, if you ran other teams plays against what we did last year, that expected turnover margin was 7.6. So there was five turnovers left on the field, um, that were just kind of missed last year due to luck or whatever reason. So a negative turnover differential, you'd expect that number to rebound with a little regression. Uh, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but you can't count on that. Let's move to, to third down and, uh, I'm going to go. Just uh, 
take a little nap here because you're going to talk about recruiting, <laughs> um, something that I am not as clued into. Again, 2009, Brandon Boyd, different thing. Uh, but you're all all on that. Uh, it's been it's been a really good start for for uh, for this next year's class. Yeah, it's been a pretty active summer for the Huskies in the recruiting cycle. Uh, they already have 15 commits so far, which is, I think, pretty solid given the fact we're just starting fall camp. Um, of those 15 commits, the top five rated commits committed have all committed since June. Uh, that's led by Jalen McMillan out of San Joaquin Memorial out of the, uh, Fresno, California. He's the 50th rated uh, prospect in the 2020 class. He's a wide receiver. Um, if you put him up on the 247 all-time commit rankings for the Huskies, he comes in at number 10 overall, just a shade above Buda Baker. So that obviously shows his quality. Um, you know, he's a game breaker. He's he's a wide receiver commitment that we really just haven't had in a long time. So uh, getting him in the fold over the next few seasons should be pretty exciting. Um, moving on, it's kind of been a big it's this could be the best offensive line class that the Huskies have ever have ever hauled in and that's led by Miles Morrow um out of modern day he's a center normally you'd think you know modern day top you know 100 recruit this is a USC shoe-in but obviously with all the stuff going down in LA there we were able to pick him up so um obviously not complaining there because you can never have too many good offensive linemen in the trenches. And then uh, you got Roger Rosengarten, which I just wrote beef as his <laughs> uh, note here because he's 6'7", 275, offensive tackle out of Colorado. Uh, so it's that would look like he has some some ability to add some more pounds to that frame, still being at 275 but being 6'7". And then um, rounding out the O-line crew is Gary and Hatchett from Ferndale. So you obviously love him just because he's from Ferndale. And then lastly, you got Sam Adams, who's can just a game-breaker out of the backfield. Uh, and he plays at Eastside Catholic. So um, some exciting pieces that will be coming in next season. So uh, first of all, you say Sam Adams. And I tell this to basically everybody uh, that will listen Mm-hmm. Sam Adams Jr., who just committed to to UW, his dad. The second. Yeah. Oh, there we go. My my, my apologies yeah. to to Sammy. <laughs> uh, he uh, his his father played for the Seahawks in like old Kingdom days. You know, royal blue jerseys. You know, Kingdom dogs, all that good stuff. Like feeling the asbestos, yeah. the asbestos flakes. <laughs> go 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 into your hot dog. The Breathe good old in. days. Yeah, exactly. Makes you stronger. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, his dad, Sam Adams, very large man. His nickname was Big Papa the Showstopper, which is incredible. Um, I don't know if he came up with that. I think he would have had to uh, yeah. or just had a perfect hype man that got him that. But, yeah, I, I don't know if we can adapt that for, for Sam Jr., but um, he's not going to play for a long time, so don't have to worry about it. But uh, but one one for the for the oven there. Uh, and then, yeah, I like it. Down on the on the uh, Miles Murau front, um, shouts out to to Griffin Hitzel, a guy who uh, I went to, to college with. Um, he is from that area down there in uh, in L.A. Santa Ana. Yeah, played played some college or some high school football down there, uh, and wanted to to emphasize uh, a, a text from from Hitzel who says I can't emphasize enough that this is a transcendental recruit. Don't even know if 
That's a word. Love that. Um, but yeah, the enthusiasm is there. Uh, if you're a four-star player, <laughs> if you're a four-star player at Matter Day, you go to USC. Uh, yep. That's just that's the rule. Uh, this resets that standard. Scott Huff uh, has come to play uh, with Ike, Ika Ika, the uh, recruiting coaches, going to make that happen. Um, big get uh, for for a lot yep. of reasons in terms of that that college football turf war that you're constantly constantly playing. Um, California has had a lot of problems retaining its talent uh, to both uh, in, inside the Pac-12 and outside the Pac-12 uh, recently as as the uh, the Clemsons and Alabamas of the world are getting smart uh, that, hey, that's where the good players go. Um, <laughs> and uh, those players are also getting smart that, hey, that's where that's where the good uh, the good coaches are uh, is in that world as well. So interesting to keep an eye on that. Uh, but uh, ultimately a, a good sign that the, the recruiting front is so so strong. Thank you for the update sure. there. Let's head to, to fourth down. Fourth and inches. Got to convert this one. Uh, just guys to watch. Um, you know, We talked generally on the offensive side of the ball, a little bit on the defense. Uh, but give me on uh, offense first, a name that we haven't said maybe, or maybe we have, but just haven't spent as much time as you would like on. Uh, a name to watch for this year, offense first. This one is an obvious one, but it's more so the shoes that he has to fill, and that's Savan Ahmed. Mm. Uh, just because you know you're you're filling in for arguably the, I'm gonna say it, the greatest Husky to ever play, um, in Miles Miles Gaskin. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that out there. So Damn. those are some pretty big shoes to fill. Um, but then again, when he has played, his you know his stats will back his game up. I think he had one of the highest you know, average per carry marks that this school has ever seen. Um, and he's obviously has that game breaking speed to really, you know, open a game up and hit the home run. So um, I'm really excited to see what, what Savon can do when he's given the full workload here this season. Yeah. A more explosive type of back. And we've never seen him get this, the even close to the level of, of work uh, that we did with, with miles Gaskin, Basically, for every two and a half carries you got from Miles Gaskin last year, Savon Ahmed got one, um, and a lot of those in different types of situations. Uh, I'm interested to see how they use him coming out of the backfield because of that sure. explosiveness. Get him uh, down the field in mismatches against linebackers, um, and because you know if you do spread the field out, as we talked about first down, uh, yeah, Ahmed is just a different type of guy, and not um, not. It's it's just hard to tell if 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 he's that could be that feature guy and has just never got the role or that's just not his destiny and he's going to have a nice career maybe in the NFL uh, as a scat back type guy a third down back but uh, but yeah definitely interested to see thousand yards for for Ahmed this year six oh eight last year oh man I mean there are thirteen hundred Miles Gaskin yards left on the table yeah that's true it'll be close. I'm going to say yes just because I'm a wishful thinker, but yeah, I think it'll be close. I think he's going to have some really big games. I don't know if he's like as consistent as uh, as as Miles Gaskin was, but I can see mm-hmm. him, you know, against USC going for a buck ninety on 15 carries, something like that. Just well, because... he can he can he can rip off like 80 yards in one place pretty easily easily compared to other running backs just because of his speed yeah exactly um yeah Ahmed for sure big one there uh mine on offense Kate Otten um literally guy to watch because he might not even like catch the ball on a play 
But dude is out there, neck roll, no gloves, just mauling people. Um, I watched a, a, a rewatched a little bit of the of the Apple Cup, and that guy is bone and nails. Like he he is he is just a, a <laughs> brute weapon out there. Um, and that he's totally accept that that role because um, he's not as as uh, explosive as a pass catcher as as Hunter Bryant. Um, but he's definitely capable. I mean, he had the touchdown in the Oregon State game, um, kind of a downfield threat with his size. Uh, so I am really excited to see what Kate Otten does. And he's one of those guys, a la Greg Gaines last year, where um, if you just kind of train your eye to look at what he did, uh, it will inform a lot about his value. Um, and even just thinking about Drew Sample being a second-round pick last year is a great example of that. Drew Sample had 25 catches last year, but was clearly a, a valuable piece um, in the NFL's eyes because of the little things that he was doing uh, when the ball didn't come his way. My and, favorite thing about Kate Otten is he doesn't wear wide receiver gloves. He just tapes up his fingers. Yes. And that's when you know that that guy's an absolute grinder. He came He came from the year 1984 to destroy us all. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I mean, he's from Tumwater and he doesn't wear, he doesn't wear gloves. So yeah. what's more to love? Yeah, he probably like catches. You you see that thing about John Clark, uh, who we talked about earlier, um, like his his scholarship money that he got because he was a former walk on and now is on scholarship. He spent his scholarship money on a new truck, and it's like nice. Why? <laughs> like why? Why is a college student <laughs> in Seattle? Do you need a truck? Um, yeah, I, I don't know, but good for him. Uh, all right, <laughs> def- defensive side of the ball. Uh, what do you got? I have Joe Tryon here just mm. because I feel like he is just kind of came out of nowhere and he's a monster. Yeah. So <laughs> I, you, you never really watched uh dragon ball Z. Did you? No, I never really got into it. Um, the Ginyu force hit, hit me up. If, <laughs> if you know, if you know, Ginyu force, uh, in you, the Ginyu force. Yeah. And why you, they had uh, there were five of them. They were Frieza's like henchmen on on uh, Planet Namek. Anyways, okay. uh, one of wow. them, Raccoon, R E C O O M E. If you look at Raccoon and you look at Joe Tryon, spit an image. It's just like completely bald, and then on the top they've got this little patch of hair. And the, other than that, it, their entire like aesthetic is just dedicated to muscle. Um, and uh, yeah, that Joe Tryon reminds me of Raccoon. <laughs> that's it. I, 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 that's no, yeah, there's nothing that's for you. That's an impressive comparison there. I'm looking at him now. You see it? <laughs> yeah, he is. He does have red hair though. This raccoon guy. Yeah. So, a little bit off. It's there. a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. But I like it. And Joe Tryon doesn't wear the scouter over his eye, uh, like uh, like raccoon yes. did. Yeah. But that's that's not important. <laughs> um, yeah. J- Tryon is 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 instrumental and kind of. Like the same questions we have now about big plays, being able to get to the quarterback. These were the types of questions that were being asked as the games got harder at the end of last season against Wazoo. Could he make plays? He did in that game, got a sack, a couple tackles for loss, I think. Uh, and then against Ohio State, when you're looking at how do you stop that offense, it was looking at guys like on Wuzurike, Tryon, can they get home? Uh, they weren't really able to in that game as Ohio State was effectively able to shred us for the first half of that game, at least. Um, but Tryon is is looks the part, and like you said, really came out of nowhere. I feel like they just kind of like like Corey Dillon him onto the team. Um, yeah, like don't worry about going to classes or anything like that. It's just like, like you, who is this? You play you play for us now. 
Um, but uh, but either way, happy to have him because he is uh, he's sure. he's fun to watch. Uh, in the same vein of of let's get some pass rush going, my guy was Ariel Nata, uh, N G A T A, uh, a bit undersized last year, but was a guy that you could tell in some of those blowouts early on was a guy that they liked a lot. They're trying to get him a lot of run uh, on special teams and in, in late game situations. Uh, he has the athleticism to burn. Sounds like he put on a little bit of weight this season. Uh, and I'm really hoping that he can provide some uh, some real good pass rush opportunities because we haven't really had a player like him. Travis Feeney kind of comes to mind, but he was more built like a safety uh, than Nada, who's built almost like a like a small linebacker, um, but just designed like literally designed to just destroy quarterbacks. Um, and then in that, you're, you're going to know the name off the top of my, your head because you're better at this than I am. Uh, the kid from Alaska who is built much in the same way. Um, you know who I'm talking oh, about? Man. Great the audio current here. player from Alaska? Yeah. Let me pull up the roster oh. here. Uh, oh. We have a player from Alaska? Stay with us, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Alaska. Edefuan Ulofoshio. Uh, from, oh from, yeah, he played. Anchorage. He played at the end of the season. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He he. I think he had a fumble recovery and against Oregon State or something like that uh, on special teams. But uh, much the same way, athletic, smaller, um, but uh, gives you a different strategy to uh, to get to the quarterback because I think that this this team desperately needed that to happen to to end drives last year uh, and wasn't able to do sure. it. I I will mention that they have been playing Nata a little bit at inside linebacker mm. uh, during during camp, and I think that's just because of the losses of BBK and Tevis Bartlett in the middle. So you may see him move more inside, or at least see snaps there too. So he could be all over the uh, linebacking like setup. Yeah, uh, once it, we get into the season, and similar to to Miles Bryant, just get him on the field, right? There's, he's he's yeah, clearly exactly. one of your eleven best talented players. He's versatile. Uh, get him on the field, and we'll figure it out from there. Sure. Uh, let's move on to our one big question. Don't want to spend too much time on this, but this is an interesting schedule, um, and I'm, it's kind of two questions here. Uh, is a what is Chris Peterson's best win as a coach at UW? Because I think everybody is has been thrilled with his performance so far. This program is in a great place in large part because of what he has done. Um, however, the signature win is kind of lacking. One in four in bowl games. Gotta say it. Uh, don't, you know, <laughs> there's just stating facts here. Uh, and yep. then there's two games on the schedule, at least two, maybe three. Uh, home against Oregon, home against Utah, or road against Stanford this year. Would any of those three games immediately be the best win in Chris Peterson's tenure? I think some of this has to do with where we are, like what our record is at that point in time. I think the home against Oregon game on October 19th has the See potential. There, by the way, tickets booked. Perfect. Mm-hmm. You'll remember in the last podcast, I was uh, campaigning for that. So I like the fact that you have followed through on yeah. that. Speaking so of the word campaign, that's... stay tuned for the net for like five yes. minutes from now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I don't think the Utah. I think the Oregon game would be bigger than Utah. Um, I think just because Oregon kind of carries a little bit more weight, obviously. Although those Utah games have been great uh, since Peterson has come over um, to us. I will say I don't think even beating Oregon would unseat. This is obviously my opinion, but the forty-four to six win against Stanford in twenty sixteen. Yep. I think it is still 
Peterson's biggest win just because um, Stanford was ranked seventh at the time. It was a Friday night ESPN primetime game in a sold-out Husky stadium. And it was really kind of the first statement win of the Peterson era that jump-started our run to the college football playoffs. So there was a lot of things with that game that ended up kind of kicking things off. So I think that still would take it for me. But, I mean, it depends on the scenario. Could be. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that Stanford one uh, has the, at Stanford has been a monkey on on this team's back. This this program's back yeah. for for a long time, uh, even dating back two years ago in the 2017 season, going there um, and having a pretty good grasp on that game before things just got out of hand. Bryce Love runs all over the place. There's a there's a few on here on this list, and we might have talked about this at some point, but. Um, just candidates for that. I think 2015 Friday night at USC, maybe Thursday night at USC, uh, wearing the black helmets, winning that game. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, that that USC program ended up not being uh, in a in a real healthy spot um, at that at that point, but it was still an important coronation. Uh, the Southern Miss bowl game uh, was kind of the coming out party for for uh, for Miles Gaskin and, and Jake Browning. Both of them looked great in that game. Like you said, 2016 Stanford is probably my winner here, uh, but 2016 mm-hmm. Oregon, 70 to 21, uh, was a, a, sure. a, again like a, a very important game, but but not necessarily pivotal. Cathartic, uh, yes, yeah. As, as someone who was in that <laughs> in that stadium would probably uh, attest to, 2016 at Utah uh, on College Game Day. Um, in Rice Eccles in a game that was um, probably the most important game of of that season in terms of just cementing their playoff run. 2018, last year at Utah, winning that game, um, despite despite the worst play in Husky history with Jake Browning. And then the (laughs) the last year's Apple Cup in the snow, I think, is an iconic game for a lot of reasons. Um, That was an unfair game, though, because it was snowing. It was snowing. You're right. right. So you can't use that. That's really unfair. I'm surprised you can even find the score of that game online because it's so yeah. it was so unfair. Yeah. Um, so is, tw- is 2016 Stanford the winner? Yeah. Did we declare for me that? it is. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I think you know U- Utah is going to be fantastic this year. They were very very close to beating us uh, in Husky Stadium two years ago. Uh, would not be surprised if they give another good challenge. Um, and then that Oregon game, just like you said, kind of depends on time and place. Also depends if Oregon starts the season off, they beat Auburn. Uh, their expectations yep. for the season change drastically uh, sure. than if if they go down in the same way we did against uh, against the Tigers. So uh, we'll see. But there are some candidates where um, this could be there could be you know th- a new top three uh, to that list from from what we have here. Okay. Are you ready for for the dumbest fifteen minutes in our kind of pod history? <laughs> I don't know. We compared uh, teams to candy last season. So. Oh yeah, we did do that. Man, <laughs> we had fun. Um, that was a Halloween did, edition. Did but... we do teams or did we do players to candy? Oh, it might have been players. Yeah, I think I remember calling yeah. it like Greg Gaines was a Reese's peanut butter cup or something like that. Yeah, I miss Greg Gaines. <laughs> Uh, back the pack, right? How we end every podcast. Um, yes. well, kind of end every podcast. Uh, talking about the the state of the the lovely conference. Uh, we are not going to complain about Larry Scott at least this episode. We'll save that until the first dumb thing that happens. Um, the topical thing so right next now. Episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, the topical thing would be the state of the Democratic uh, Party, and we are going to compare because there are literally more. <laughs> there's more. Uh, candidates than there are 
12 college football teams at this point. Yeah. Uh, we're going to compare each team in the conference to a candidate. Uh, I'm excited. Have way too many notes on this. Uh, any place in particular you want to start, or should we just start uh, start in Montlake? Uh, yeah, I'm following your order, so go for it. Okay, let's start with you, Dub. Um, I had three different options here, and I could be mm-hmm. sold on either one. Obviously, the Jay Inslee ca- uh, comparison is right there uh, because yep. of the Washington connection, but Jay Inslee's all-on assault of climate change is similar to Chris Peterson's uh, distaste for the transfer portal, even though um, <laughs> the transfer portal might be very beneficial to Chris Peterson this year. Um, so that's right there. Uh, the Biden one is there, where the front runner in the conference favored in every game this season, 60% win probability in every game, according to our boy Bill Connolly. But I don't know if that actually means that we're a good team or not. And then the other one I had was uh, maybe uh Bernesto Sanders because we may have peaked in 2016. <laughs> I ha- I also had Inslee and Biden for you to Inslee with the state connection and Biden just because he is the favorite but not everybody believes that he's going to be there when, you know, when the last guy's standing. So, um yeah, agreed. To uh Pullman we go. Uh <laughs> This one's easy. This one was very easy. Uh, it's Marianne Williamson. Um, yes. <laughs> everybody's favorite crazy person. She is saying some really interesting things and some. She's telling some truths by by. Let's 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 call a spade a spade here. Um, sure. But she is ultimately going to lose in November. Uh, very similar to uh, to how things usually go for uh, for the Pullman Cougs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, you hit it on the head, Marianne Williamson, just the Mike Leach of the debate so far. They, man, I would listen to that podcast. My God, those yeah, two talking wow. to each other. That would be phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, she has a book called Tears to Triumph, colon, The Spiritual Journey from Suffering to Enlightenment, which to me sounds a lot like uh, the Pullman Coog's transition from Paul Wolf to Mike Leach. <laughs> suffering to like Enlightenment. <laughs> They've reached a That's spiritual great. calling uh, with with Mike Leach. <laughs> uh, we saw Mike Leach shirtless on social media the other day. Did you see that? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, belly flopping. Uh, he kind of avoided that. Not to say that I would ever. Uh, my boy Braden Underwood, fantastic belly flopper, would show him up any day of the week. But uh, Mike Leach kind of bailed out at the last second. There, they they tried their best to edit it, but there was some some recoil. Not which is fair. You're belly flopping, but if you're gonna do it, commit. Yeah. He kind of tucked slightly at the end. Yeah. Which, so, whatever. I'll give it a six. Yeah. Uh, it's like his instinct to run the ball. It's just kind of like at the very end, like maybe, nope. maybe things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's, let's go down to Eugene. Um, wondering what you had for, for uh, our, our ducks. This one kind of hurts me because this is my guy, but uh, I put down Pete Buttigieg mm. just because he's kind of the trendy pick that hasn't really proven himself yet on the national stage. Uh, which is kind of like what Oregon is this season. A lot of people are picking them to finish really high, if not win the conference. But um, they haven't really proven anything yet in recent years. So, yeah, I'm going with with Mayor Pete. I will say that the only thing that's that's uh, in the Democratic Party that's as shiny as uh, as Oregon's uniforms would be uh, Mayor Pete's beautiful blue eyes. Uh, just, just oh, some. Nice. Gr- he's got some great sparklers um, up there. <laughs> but uh, my pick for this was John Delaney, everyone's uh, least favorite uh, pro- progressive Democrat. 
John Delaney uh, is all about the business. Uh, his whole thing with uh, with the healthcare plan is let's have more insurance. Let's let's uh, find more ways to make uh, have companies make money. Uh, not dissimilar from how Oregon runs their whole thing down there. Uh, John Delaney, his solution to the tragic gun violence of last weekend. Uh, is actually let's just have people who commit hate crimes pay higher insurance and put more money oh. into people's pockets, uh, and then oh. that's you know Oregon's solution to having an average football team in the '90s. Sell some shoes, man. Let's let's get these kids some <laughs> nice nice gear. Um, so yeah, uh, capitalism would be the the theme of John Delaney and the Oregon Ducks. Uh, to it. to the beeves we go. What do you got for our our second favorite Pac-12 team? I have Minnesota's finest, Amy Klubchar, here. Um, and this is kind of, uh, there's some reasoning uh, that I have on these so. upcoming ones. It just is like, yeah, just just kind of like, okay, that's sort of similar. So uh, Klubchar was born in Plymouth, Minnesota, um, the wonderful town of Plymouth, Minnesota, which is very similar in size to uh, Corvallis, Oregon, uh, roughly 65, 70,000. So somewhat of a small town. Uh, Minnesota kind of reminds me of the Oregon of the Midwest. Um, I don't know why. Just seems right to yeah. say that. So um, yeah, nope. going with Klubchar. Nobody's ever been there, so we can't we can't refute that. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I was gonna say something. Totally forgot it. Anyways, uh, yeah, I've got Klubchar coming up in a little bit. For for Oregon State, I had uh, I had Yang Gang here. I thought uh, Andrew oh. Yang's whole shtick about a thousand dollars a month for everybody in the country. Uh, is is an interesting idea, and when you get Andrew Yang up there talking about it, it makes a lot of sense in a lot of regards. Put money in people's pockets; they'll be innovative. They'll have the freedom to do different things. They'll start being able to spend more, uh, so on and so forth. Um, and that sounds good. Very similar to when you watch Oregon State play offense. Pretty good. They're they're good at it. Uh, <laughs> they know how to score points. They know how to make a lot of yards uh, through, sure. uh, through. Yeah, make yards. Uh, Jamar Jefferson's a stud. <laughs> Uh, and then when it comes to everything else, it's kind of just the shrugs emoji. Uh, Andrew Yang yeah. talking about foreign policy. Not sure how the thousand dollars a month works into that. Neither does he. Let's just get there. Uh, and then you get Oregon State talking about defense, and uh, they just say pass. We're, we're not going to worry too much about that. They were like the worst defense ever last season. Uh, let me yeah. pull this up. Let me consult the Bible here, um, just to put it in perspective. Oregon State in uh, in 2019 uh, or 2018 uh, success rate defensively 129th I think out of 129 teams points per opposing op- opponents uh, scoring opportunities so if your team is I think within like the 30 or 40 yard line or something like that 129th uh, oh. the the 100 and oh sorry rushing defense 130th so they somehow did oh, get worse you can get worse than 129 yes There's actually 130 they're teams. going down. Wow. Uh, passing downs, uh, 128th defensively. They were horrible. Uh, and not great on offense by any means, but uh, they, they can at least sling it a little bit. So, uh, yeah, Andrew Yang, offense, uh, there's there's my connection. for, for You the, know what? Yeah, go ahead. You know what I like about that is uh, you said, talking about Andrew Yang, foreign policy, let's just get there. I feel like that could be a, a slogan for any candidate or just the Democratic Party in general. Let's just get there. <laughs> yeah, let's, exactly. Let's just, let's just win. Slog through this. <laughs> Speaking of foreign policy, uh, the the Oregon State campaign starting um, with some – their first three games are insane. 
home against Oklahoma State at Hawaii, and then Cal Poly, who I guess just now has a football team. Um, Cal Poly's wow. Cal Poly's football team is just the robots that their mechanical engineering team designed. Uh, who knew that they had a football <laughs> team? Um, yeah, Cal Poly. <laughs> Bill Connolly's Bible has uh, Oregon State as a 15 point favorite over the Cal Poly robots. Not not quite the spread you'd expect. <laughs> They're going to lose a lot of games uh, and give up a lot of points, um, but uh, I hope I hope our boy Johnny Smith hangs on to his job. Uh, let's go to Colorado, even though that's we're not staying in the North. I when I made this document, I totally forgot that uh, Stanford and Cal were the North teams and not Colorado mm-hmm. and Utah. Oh well, mm-hmm. I had Joe Biden for Colorado because Joe's going old school. Joe's whole thing is let's just kind of run it back. Uh, Mel Tucker, new Colorado coach, certified crazy person, love him. Uh, he said about uh, the Pac-12 that the Pac-12 is not a tennis shoes league anymore. We're going back to to, to running the football uh, and really uh, grinding teams down. So that'll be fun to see. Uh, and I can also totally see Mel Tucker telling fans to text Mel to 3030.com um, at the end of a press conference, just not understanding the, <laughs> the social media marketing uh, campaign that he's been told to, to, to say. Your your uh, your research on this has been phenomenal, by the way, because I have John Hickenlooper, and it's only because he's the former Colorado governor. <laughs> Hickenlooper <laughs> will come up um, for a different reason for me. Uh, we had some. There's a lot of Colorado guys because there's him and there's uh, Michael Bennett, um, who talks pretty funny. He he could have been there. So yeah, Colorado okay. is, is well represented in the in the the pack or the the Democratic Party. Uh, <laughs> Stephen Montez is still the Pac twelve or the uh, the Colorado quarterback. Really, he's been there. Wow, since I was like nine, years. nine years old. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> he beat Oregon as a freshman, and I swear to God, that was like 2013. Yeah, remember? Yeah, they, yeah, they were wearing those stupid like look like their mascot uniforms. I yeah. I, wh- who was the other guy that was before him from Cepho Loifau? L- yeah, yeah. There yeah. we go. Okay. Yeah, Montez is an institution. Um, yeah, but Lavisca Chenault uh, should be pretty fun to watch. He, yeah, uh, he tore good. it up last year. Very good. Uh, hope he does the same this year because he's he's fun. Uh, to Utah we go. So um, much was made. We said we weren't going to talk about Larry Scott. Whoops. Uh, it was inevitable. He uh, he had this great innovation to talk about. You know, so many games going late. You're losing East Coast fans. You're making the the experience horrible for the people who are actually going to games in the conference by having these eight thirty kickoffs. Uh, and so Larry's solution was: we've explored nine o'clock kickoffs. Stanton, for your tailgate regimen, when would that when would that mean you get to uh, to the parking lot for a Husky game? That'd be about a 6 a.m. arrival, so probably like a 4.30 wake-up call. It would be terrible. That's it the would, dumbest would, thing you could possibly do. I uh, hate it. Try getting a college kid to move before 9.15 in the morning on a Saturday. Uh, Larry Scott, continue to be as out of touch as possible. You'd think that everybody would have the same reaction of, that's just not going to work. Uh, noted yep. Hardo, uh, Kyle Whittingham, Utah's coach, was all about it. They asked him at the media day. They said, hey, Kyle, there's talk that there might be a morning kickoff and it could possibly be 10 a.m. Kyle Whittingham says, would love it. The only thing better than 10 a.m. is 9 a.m. or 8 a.m. The sooner we can get the ball in the air, that's great. Question to Kyle Whittingham afterwards. No concern with sleep? Kyle Whittingham, nope. 
we'd adjust. We'd played those games before. It's been few and far between. We've had those 10 a.m. kickoffs in the past. Jump at the chance for that. When were you having 10 a.m. kickoffs? Yeah. Kyle. Did they play in like Australia a couple years ago? Maybe that's why. Yeah, I could that's be wrong true. On that. That's that was true. a complete guess. Maybe but he, someone he, played in Australia in the conference. Uh, Stanford did that. Yeah, Stanford like played uh, okay. Rice there or something. But anyways, my yeah. connection for uh, for Utah then is Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. I'm sorry, uh, Kamala. Who her whole campaign is about the 3 a.m. agenda. Let's uh, let's worry about the things that people uh, are, are can't sleep about 3 a.m. in the morning. Uh, Kyle, like Whittingham, Kyle Whittingham would totally love to play football at three in the morning. That's what he's thinking about. I like that comparison. Um, I got uh, Liz Warren up from your neck of the woods yep. in the Northeast uh, just because she's never really been the front runner, but she's always been near the top. And that basically describes Utah and Kyle Whittingham just always being solid, but never being able to get over the hump and win it all. So she also loves wearing red. Old- yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, Utah is pretty weird. They are going to run away with the <laughs> South. Um, but did you know that, like, Utah, who did they lose to last year? Utah lost to somebody, awesome. ho- well, yeah, horribly. Um, they have so much talent on their defense, but at the end of the day, I, I'm running out of opportunities to to uh, claim that Tyler Huntley is good. Um, at, at quarterback, Again, another guy who's been there forever. Your but boy. I am a huge Tyler Huntley fan. He's a gamer. Um, Ooh, yeah, but uh, that's not necessarily a good thing. But yeah, they're they're kind of. I could totally see them getting the exact same situation. UW, uh, Utah, Pac-12 championship, and no one's excited about it because we've seen this thing before. Yeah, uh, yeah. But they're very good. They were second in the nation last year in stuff rate. <laughs> stuff rate. <laughs> Uh, which I think we could all guess what that means, but uh, the idea of stuff rate is just like that's that's just an awesome concept. Uh, let's go that. to Cal. I have John Higgins. Can I go? For, yeah, go for can it. Can I go first here because this is the worst one I have. Mm. Uh, just my reasoning. I have Kamala Harris, and my reasoning is just California, and I uppercase C A L in California <laughs> because it's Cal. Ah, so. I'll I'll give you the floor. So is that. The, is that why they call it Cal? Is that uh, yeah? Wow, uh, damn! That whole theme of last year, yeah. value add, it has not stopped. Value add. <laughs> we tell you what's good here. Uh, yeah, Cal. We're halfway through this, man. This is this is a slog. I'm gonna try and just get through. Cal's all about defense. It, it's okay. It's it's bad for me after these two. So okay, uh, it'll be quick. Uh, yeah. Cal uh, is all about defense. Justin Wilcox, uh, other noted hardo. Uh, John Hickenlooper is my connection. John Hickenlooper once drank hydrofracking fluid liquid to prove that it was safe. Uh, I can also wow. see Justin Wilcox eating a football. Uh, to prove to his defense that they can actually attack the ball <laughs> even harder than they already are. Uh, I hate Cal. I want to beat them so badly this, this yes, year. Yes, me too. Uh, Evan Weaver talking about how their culture is better uh, after they beat us last year. Culture, my friend, is losing a game 12-10 to 10 and then still winning the conference after you do that. Um, not losing to UCLA 34-7. to 7. That's, That is culture. Nice. Uh, Stanford. I had Amy Klobuchar for this one. Amy Klobuchar, okay. her whole home state success, she dominates Minnesota. Minnesota is not that blue of a state. Um, so dominating a state that's not that blue means that you have you would bode well in a potential red state. Uh, the home game is Klobuchar's uh, claim to fame. 
I think that that's the same thing with Stanford this year. They are good, but the fact that they get Utah or they get UW and Oregon and Notre Dame at home and don't have to play Utah, uh, their schedule is really what uh, what bodes well for them. Big KJ KJ Costello fan here. He was eighth in passing S and P plus last year. David Shaw basically lost his mind and started throwing the ball everywhere, uh, and uh, Costello was up for the challenge. I like that. Um... Wow, they yeah they their their schedule is pretty favorable. Looking at it now, very um, yeah. Anyways, uh, I have for this this is where I have Yang Gang. I have mm. Andrew Yang just because he's always like I'm an Asian guy who likes math. Like you know that's what we need something different. So uh, he likes math. Stanford, they're nerds. So there you go. <laughs> yes, Yang Gang. Yang Gang. Uh, yeah, there's probably uh, there's a ton of uh, Yang Gang fans in uh, in Stanford for sure. Uh, yeah. To UCLA, I have uh, so I thought about Andrew Yang here. Chip Kelly once uh, paid a fan who went to the Oregon Boise State famous punch out game uh, and said that he, Chip Kelly owed him four hundred thirty nine dollars for making him go watch that. Uh, because that was the cost of his travel to get there. And Chip Kelly sent him a check for $439. Um, <laughs> so I thought about Andrew Yang because he's putting money in people's pockets. Uh, but I ended up going with uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, uh, who is running a, a campaign that, you know, she's saying a lot of good stuff, solid. Uh, her her campaign makes some sense. But uh, at the end of the day, who are they going to beat? Um, schedule's really hard for UCLA. They play 10 games against teams in the top 60 of S&P+. That's insane. Six of those games are on the road. Uh, I they, they might be a very good qualitative team next year. Love Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Robinson, love Josh Kelly. Uh, but at the end of the day, they might only win four games because they are going to get their asses handed to them by Oklahoma. Yeah, that's going to be ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, did they at least get Oklahoma at home, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, so, yeah, uh, they had to go there last year. So that would only, that would only be right. But... <laughs> It is the Pac-12, yeah. so that, a dumb scheduling negotiation is uh, is not impossible. Yeah, they they do host <laughs> they do host Oklahoma. They they could be zero and four to start the season. They go they travel to Cincinnati, a team that they lost to at home last season. Yep. Then they host San Diego State, who's Who beats, always pretty decent. They beat one Pac-12 team a year. It's just a rule. Yeah. Uh huh. Oklahoma at home, and then at WSU. And then, then at, you get at Arizona, where I think you probably can win that, but. And then four, they, it can maybe zero and five, and then they get Oregon State at home in front of eight thousand people at the Rose Bowl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that'll be their first win. Uh, yeah. yeah, yikes! Who do you have for UCLA? Yikes. Uh, I have John Delaney, and I wrote down sort of looks like Chip, but I'm <laughs> I'm doing the research now, and I'm just totally wrong. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> hey, they uh, they're white. I'll I'll give you that. Um, yeah, and they kind of have a lighter brown hair you've seen so, you've seen role models right yeah it's like the bennett you you white you chip kelly <laughs> that's that's the thought easy there. comparison yeah yeah uh usc uh very healthy usc program uh in mm-hmm. just a flourishing athletic department that is uh i had bill de blasio as the guy here Me too uh great yeah <laughs> everyone hates bill de blasio everyone hates clay helton um <laughs> Guys who are really good at talking and uh, not good at their jobs. So, uh, yeah, that's that's an easy one. Yep. We, yeah, uh, de Blasio pulling uh, less than a percent in recent polls. So uh, kind of like uh, kind of like Clay Helton's approval rating <laughs> down there as well. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, USC will be polling very well in the AP poll. Similarly, uh, their schedule is hellacious. Uh, no, a game, I love that. Every single game <laughs> for their first five or four, four games, they could win. They could lose. Home against Fresno State, yes. you should have that. Home Stanford at BYU uh, and then home against Utah. All toss-ups, but that's kind of the thing is like it could go real sour real quick. Uh, before yeah. UW hosts them on Saturday, it's September 28th. In uh, what could be, it is definitely the Adidas launch party. Who knows what that means? Uh, but uh, it also could be the Clay Helton funeral game um, as well, where he gets fired because USC leaves Husky Stadium 0-5 to start the season. And they play at Notre Dame the following week. So yes. uh, <laughs> 0-6 perhaps? Uh-huh. Yeah, it could be fun. Oh, man. Yeah. You'd hate um, yeah, to see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, to uh, to our, our Sun State schools, I don't even know if Arizona's the Sun State. There's like four different Sun States. Uh, are they the, the <laughs> Copper State? What the hell is Arizona? Uh, Arizona um, is the what state? The land of the sun. I know they say that a lot. Uh, just telling me when Arizona became a state. Not helpful. 19... 19- uh, the Gra- the Grand Canyon State, and then the Copper State. I was right. Anyways, uh, U of A. I uh, I thought about Amy nice. Klobuchar. Uh, Klobuchar is all about making wealthy kids pay for college. That's literally how the University of Arizona functions. Is getting rich kids there. <laughs> uh, I thought about Tulsi Gabbard. The Wildcats have to win in Hawaii to start the season on August twenty fourth. Uh, in what may be one of the uh, a good a, a favorite word of ours. Um, sorry, Dad. Here, but this is just an adjective. Uh, a fucky game, as we would call it, um, of which there are many in the Pac-12, some of the which I pulled out. Oklahoma State, Oregon State, there's just going to be so much orange all over your screen in that. Fresno, USC is going to be fun. Uh, Northwestern, Stanford, which is basically the same institution playing itself. Uh, Stanford goes to UCF. The former national champions. Yes. Uh, and then Texas Tech goes to Arizona in a game where one team's going to score a hundred. That's just true. Um, yeah, there's lots of fun ones. And, but I ended up picking Tim Ryan because Tim Ryan always looks like he's melting. And, uh, here was a fun quote from, from Kevin Sumlin, whose team plays in Arizona, um, a very hot place. He, uh, he said last year when we played Houston, when they got embarrassed, uh, we didn't really adapt well to the heat. And sometimes during the day games here, we don't adapt well. So I think this was huge for us, honestly, especially because we have some day games here and we kind of know we're going to go through and make sure you hydrate, sleep, prepare your body so that you have enough energy to play the whole game. Kevin Sumlin, <laughs> play the whole game. Just make it through. Uh, your team plays in Arizona. <laughs> survive. Your team plays in Arizona and you have conditioning problems when you go to a place like Houston uh, and other teams beat you that don't play in Arizona. Yeah. Problematic. Yes. Maybe he's a fan of the 9 a.m. starts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> that's that was. It's one of those things that, like, you say it and it makes total sense. It's like, yep, teams got to be more ready for games. And it's like, wait, teams have to – wait, you, you're not conditioned? Uh, <laughs> Should work on that. That's what camp yeah, is all about. exactly. Um, um, I kind of mashed Arizona and ASU. ASU's coming up next year. Mashed them together. Just because they seemingly always finish in the middle of the conference. They just are always the middle of the pack. So uh, I feel like that's Cory Booker and Beto O'Rourke this year. Oh, uh, good call. So I, like I just did it either or. Cory Booker or Beto for either. To pick them. Yeah. 
I also have, um, well, I tip my hand here. I'm just going to pose this question as we get to Arizona State. I said, okay, which candidate is most likely to do the most Arizona State bro thing possible? Uh, take an Instagram in a pool while shotgunning a truly with a jewel tucked into their snapback and then somehow ace a presentation <laughs> the next day uh, in class. That candidate, my friends, would be Beto O'Rourke. Uh, who, yeah, Beto, uh, who once, uh, let's see here, the, the quote from his Wikipedia, on May 19th, 1995, O'Rourke and his friends jumped over a fence at the University of Texas, El Paso, uh, their physical plant, and were arrested by the UTEP police for burglary. He was held in jail overnight and posted bail the following day. Uh, so Beto's gotten after it, little mischief, uh, fits in real mm-hmm. well uh, on campus at Tempe, and, uh, you know, that's that whole thing with uh, Herm Edwards doing training camp in February. Uh, that's around when uh, Beto's campaign kind of peaked. So the comparison's right there. I do have to say about Arizona State, the actual football team, uh, I love Ido Benjamin. He is like if Chris Polk yeah. got the carries he was supposed to get uh, his whole career. He is awesome. He he could be a first or second team All-American running back. He might get 2,000 yards because Herm Edwards yeah. is all about just feed feed him. <laughs> feed feed Edo. Edo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's going to be fun to watch them. They don't really have a quarterback, so it's all about uh, it's all about the Benjamins. Nice. Ba- ba-boom, boom, boom. <laughs> uh, that's it, man. We we did all the all the candidates. I'm we did it. Pretty damn proud of that set. That uh, we that ma- we made it. Yeah, that's our. Or let's just get there. We did it. Which which candidate do you think would be most upset with the comparison we gave to them? Uh, um, Marianne Williamson, <laughs> calling calling her America's favorite crazy person. She wouldn't like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, probably. But she'd get to meet Mike Leach in our proposal, so that would be a great, great, uh, great interaction. Um, all right, great cat. It's the first one of the season. Do we need to explain to anybody how this works? We 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 uh, we give out the great cat award to the worst worst thing, worst person, worst uh, whatever, named after yeah. the illustrious Tyrone Willingham, uh, who uh, once in a famous interview with Mitch Levy uh, said about his cat that they have a great cat at home. Um, That's what gets in through the stressful moments. We have a great cat. We have a great cat. Yep. Didn't so, win a football game, note, but uh, hey, got a great cat. Damn, they have a great cat. <laughs> so who's your great cat uh, uh, at this time in in uh, August 7th? I'm, I'm going to guess you have the same one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just an insert offensive coordinator here. So that would be Bush Hamden because uh, he just needs to trust the offense, open the playbook. Uh, we had issues scoring points last year because we were just so conservative and how we played, and I think he needs to trust the players in the field and make it happen. So Bush Hamden, let let get the training wheels off. Let's just let's go for it. Yeah, let's grip and rip it, Bush. Um, exactly. And uh, yeah, let's get back to that Bush Hamden gif where he's just losing his mind as we're yep. beating, beating Rutgers ass <laughs> three years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, mine would be the transfer portal uh, and just the NCAA okay. and. Uh, their their stupid uh, rule for declaring what agents are reputable, um, just the most coded baloney thing ever. But that's it. That's college basketball. So we can't we can't pile on. Uh, Bush, you are the winner. Um, hopefully, you don't have that award for too long. OKG of the season. This is could be you know had a great camp so far. 
this could be a preemptive. You think that they're going to do it. They're going to be the guy. Uh, but who who are you uh, who are you all about uh, as it stands right now? This one's sort of out of left field, but uh, news came out yesterday that Damon Heward would be stepping down after the season. Uh, oh, really? From color commentary, yeah, commentary duties. Um, so my OKG is Damon Heward, who's been in the booth since 2010, obviously with Rondo for this last years, and then now with Castrocone. So um, yeah, it'll be the final year of Damon Heward. So he's my OKG. Interesting. Um, I might have to. Uh write a new resume because that'd be a fun job yeah uh, there we go yeah working um, with caster crown that'd be great do you remember when tony kornheiser was like a part of the monday night football broadcast yeah that was terrible it, it would be like that it'd just be like stupid <laughs> stupid quips and tony caster just like turning his mic off and yelling at me um so like booger you'd be like booger for the current <laughs> uh yeah you'd be better I'd, you'd be better Bo- booger's all right i'd I'd hope that I can at least match Jason Witten's value adds to to broadcasts mm. from last mm-hmm. year. Um, but anyways, uh, I want to give it to the Bryants. Um, Miles and Hunter, I think, are two of the players that I uh, am most fond of for this season. Hunter Bryant, because, uh, again, just rewatch the Apple Cup. My God, that is a weapon and a half. And the catch against Ohio State, uh, he looked like one of the guys who belonged in that field. Um, tell that to again Bush Hamden, who didn't get him a, a, the the ball until like the seventieth play of the game, whatever. Uh, Miles Bryant for all the reasons we mentioned, just the uh, the the real linchpin to the Husky defense. Um, any other Bryants that you can do? Bryant McKnight, um, former Army. Bryant Gumble. Bryant Gumble. Um, Bryant College. Good God, you're on fire. Famous Bryant. Kobe Bryant. <laughs> oh God, how did I miss that one? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah famous bryants um yep this is not uh not good audio here des bryant there we go uh hey there that, we go yep let's let's call relevant it. to football i can't remember kobe bryant and des bryant as i'm trying to think of bryants my brain is done uh it is time to end this that's our cue yeah. well done sir we are off and running you will hear from us uh we'll probably do this towards the end of camp i don't know if we'll be full sure. weekly action but uh but yeah looking forward to it man we'll uh we've got a good formula here and good to us at least i don't care if anyone actually likes it but uh <laughs> but we have fun here uh, Stan, I still never asked how many people have listened to this, so don't, we'll just continue. Don't. <laughs> um, Perfect. Yeah, Stan, thanks for doing this. Uh, we will be in touch, and uh, and as always, go dogs. Go dogs.